Hallelujah. It's going to be worth it. Hallelujah. So glad you came tonight. We've been studying on discipleship. So that means we've been studying on the cross. And that's not a popular message in this age. But you know, as I was meditating today, one thing I want to share is um, Sister Sylvia uh, sister sent me the new book by Brother Larry Stocksteel, pastor in Baker, Louisiana, precious man of God. And they said, this book is what you started preaching on. And so I've been reading it I'm all, I'm about halfway through with it. They just gave it to me Sunday. And they, he's saying a lot of things that I've been saying over the last week, so I want to read to you as confirmation that I haven't lost it, and it's the Word of God. <laughs> he says, it's amazing to me that our churches grow larger, but our nation is growing darker. The anointing operates in brokenness and is yielded at the cross. The anointing focuses people on Jesus instead of a person. The anointing submits to the correction of others, is transparent, and operates in peace. And unless we daily bring our giftedness to the cross and allow it to be broken, we can easily move into pride and the curse that Satan suffered in heaven. The lost, listen to this. The lost art of discipleship will return to congregations. Isn't that what the Lord has led us to do? This is our fifth week. And I just got this book and he says, The lost art of discipleship will return to congregations and millions of unfruitful believers will enter into what we pastors have dreamed of. And that's multiplication. Amen. Unfruitfulness is the third dysfunction in the American church. You might wonder, who then is filling our churches churches to record crowds? The answer is, it's transferred growth. The movement of believers from one church to another. The other church had no buildings, props, or sound systems. What they did was discipleship. And that system released the power that filled the entire world. An unhealed church has deep inner wounds that only the cross can heal. As the message of the cross moves farther from the center of our attention, we polarize around personalities. The cross, however, is the central message of the church because it destroys pride, free from bondage, releases blessings, and brings people together. And you know, the message of the cross to the disciple, as I was meditating and praying today, the Lord just showed this to me, that as the disciples, especially Peter, Satan and Peter wanted to stop Jesus from going to the cross. It's amazing how Satan in the world and in other believers wants to stop you and I from going to the cross. Jesus was determined nothing was going to keep me from the cross. For this reason I came, that I might die to save the lost. And we as disciples, we've got to come to this same setting our face like a flint that Jesus did. No matter myself or anyone else will not keep me from going to the cross. I've got to go to the cross. I must be crucified. Now, if there's a message that is not popular today, if there's a message you don't hear much of today, and it's about brokenness. It's about barrenness. It's about being broken at the cross. Not I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And it's not only is it a popular message, it is not a popular lifestyle. 
If we're going to be disciples of Christ, which I believe the days ahead we're heading to, and where we see this world going, that what it also says in this book that Brother James Robertson prophesied to Brother Larry Stockstill over the phone, told him, if America does not humble herself, America will be humiliated. You choose humbling or it ends up humiliation. And how many know that our economical system, our political system, whatever you look at, it seems like it's all failing until America gets on his knees and repents. And thank God we see time and time again in the Bible that when a nation will fall before God and repent, God has mercy and saves that nation. And there is still time for America. It's not over, but we've got to repent. It goes back to the cross. I want to show you in Luke 22, Luke chapter 22, and I invite you to open your Bibles. I want to encourage you. One thing he said that, that I really appreciated also in this book is that he has a huge church, three churches in the Baton Rouge area. And it's amazing how many people do not bring their Bible. Therefore, there's no underlining. There's no studying of the precious word of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you also, every service, this Easter service, we're so excited about it, but every service, we need to be excited by getting the Word of God, because this is the teaching of the Word of God. I'm not standing up here, giving you one scripture, and doing a lot of talking. I'm giving a lot, of, I'm doing little speaking, and letting the Word of God speak. Because you see, you know what the cross, the message of the cross is all about? It's not about what I'm able to do, it's about what I'm not able to do, and only He can do. And that's where we're coming to the end of ourselves. Where it's not what I'm not able to do. It's not about what I'm able to do. And let me say something too. That I'm, I'm, I'm getting totally sick of on TV. And I'm totally sick of hearing. Blessings does not mean I'm God's man. Brokenness means I'm God's man. Blessings does not mean we're approved of. Once we are approved, he says, you are blessed. But blessings don't mean how awesome I am. Brokenness means how awesome He is. And we read, I read to you what Brother Larry spoke there, that when it doesn't come, when we get away from the cross, it becomes personalities and it doesn't, and it's not Jesus. And a nation cannot be saved unless we get back to the message of the cross. And look what Jesus tells Peter in Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, which means you shaky leaf, you shaky leaf. Behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith fail not, and when, not if, but when, say when. Thank God for the believers of Word of Grace and in this city. Thank God it's not if they get converted, but when. They get converted. Strengthen thy brethren. Believers cannot strengthen one another until we get converted. What is converted there means? Because I mean, you know, Peter's been following Jesus. But what does conversion mean? It means to be transformed. It means to be persuaded. This is the Greek definition. Transformed. Persuaded. Get this. It means adopting to new ways. I've been teaching for three weeks that the word psychology, uh, psychology and philosophy, I'm sorry, the word philosophy means to be in love with my own ideas, my own ways, my own, to be in love with my thoughts and my understanding. 
And Jesus came preaching the message of repentance. Change your way of thinking. That word converted means to adopt new ways. The kingdom ways. The word convert means to change your mind. It means to have new thoughts and new directions. In other words, when you adopt to the ways of the Holy Spirit, when you forsake your ways and your thoughts, and when you take the thoughts and the ways of Christ, then you shall be strong and you will be able to strengthen the brothers. Now look with me in the Old Testament in Ezekiel chapter 18. Very strong prophetic book that is alive for today. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 30. Ezekiel 18, verse 30. And I want to read this in the Amplified Bible. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 30. The Lord is speaking. I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways. Every one according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. So shall they not be a stumbling block to you. Cast away from you all your transgressions by which you have transgressed against me. And make you, listen, I love this, make you, say, make you. He didn't say he was going to do it. He says, make you, this is Amplified Bible, a new mind. Make you a new mind. Make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him who dies, says the Lord. Therefore, this is the Amplified Bible. Therefore, turn and be converted. Be converted and live. Now, we have the idea that conversion means we come up to the altar, we shake the preacher's hand, and we get saved. But Jesus had a whole different thing. That that means you you accepted me as Lord and Savior. But when you are converted means you have accepted and adopted my ways, my way of thinking. You have accepted my way of living. You have taken away from you. You stopped focusing on what man has taught you or what you might have believed yourself. And you take my word as the total, utter truth. For your life. And I believe that's what we need. Is conversions. You know where conversions is? Conversions are in the house of God. They're already saved. But they're sifted like wheat. They're being attacked by the enemy. And we haven't given our lives over to the Lord. Say, Lord, okay. Taking drugs is a sin. If I keep on, I will die. Because it's a transgression that I'm living with. Thinking that way, acting that way, it's against you and it distances me from you. So I want to be converted so that that way I'm strong and I'm able to make others stronger. Now, without going to it, but write down Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Jesus came and he was preaching the message of repentance. And the first thing he says there in Matthew, Matthew chapter three, uh, 5, verse 3, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, that he taught his disciples the very first message of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is his words. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And that word poor there is the Greek word P-T-O-C-O-S. The word poor in spirit means helpless. Blessed are the helpless. Now listen to this. The word poor there means a person who regards himself as one needing to be lifted up. A person who regards himself as one needing to be lifted up. Have you ever spoke with somebody and said, oh, that's a needy person? 
Well, you know, there are needy persons that can drive you crazy, but Jesus can never be driven crazy by a needy person. I need you, Lord! I need your peace. I need your love. I need your ways. I need your direction. He says, blessed, highly favored, prosperous, to be envied are those who consider themselves not fit and able to do it and must totally be dependent upon me. That's what Jesus is preaching for the life of a disciple here. Not one who says, well, you know, I've got it all made. You know, one thing I appreciate when we were at a conference a while back, brother T, a few weeks ago, Brother Shane and I, Brother T.D. Jakes came out on the stage and he's about my favorite, one of my favorite. And he came out on the stage and it's over 3,000 ministers. And he came out on the stage and he says, if some of you preachers, if you don't have a limp like Jacob, I don't want to preach to you. If you're perfect and you don't have any frailty, and you don't have any defects, and you don't have any problems, and you don't have any challenges you're facing, and you don't have any temptations, and you don't have a stutter. If you don't, if you didn't come in here limping, I don't have a message for you because you're perfect. But if any of you have a limp, and any of you are facing temptation, and any of you are battling things in your life, if any of you are imperfect, then I'm in the right crowd because I've come to preach to you. Because when you got people who walk in and they've got a self-righteous attitude where I don't need anything you have to tell me, there's nothing you can teach me, there's nothing you can do to make me even want to change, then you can't help that person. Even Jesus cannot help that person. Because unless you are poor in spirit saying, regardless of what I think about myself, I know I am needy and I need a touch from the Master. That's gospel. That's true gospel. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the truth of the Word of God. And there's so much going on of being able in ourselves. And we're not able in ourselves for nothing. It's only by the grace of God. Paul started his letters every time. I greet you through the love and the grace of God. The grace of God. My sufficiency of, his, of Him and not of, of myself. So if you are here tonight, and, and like Brother T.D. Jakes, if you've got a lamp and you've got a problem and you're not perfect, hallelujah, you are welcome. Because those are the type of disciples that Jesus can use that don't go around preaching and promoting self. Don't not look down. Don't look down on others. For not being perfect as some think they are. Ain't nobody perfect. There's only Jesus. And he starts off saying, you want to be a disciple? Blessed are those who regard themselves as needing me for everything. Blessed are those who see me as a person in the hospital sees an IV. Unless you help me eat, I'm going to die. Unless you intervene... I'm going to perish. That word poor in spirit means one who is humble. One who values himself as worthless and insignificant. One who feels in his own eyes that he's down to nothing without Jesus. To lose confidence in one's own strength and the need to be total dependent upon God. In the Greek, this is how this reads. You will be blessed, happy, Envied, spiritual prosperous, with life and joy, and satisfied in the favor of God, with salvation, if you are able to understand 
that you are nothing more than a beggar in your own strength. If you see yourself as insignificant in your own eyes or in your own strength, you are weak and that alone you can do nothing and need someone else to lift you up. That alone you can do nothing and that you need to be humble and recognize your total dependence on God. Then your mind will be renewed and you will be prosperous, blessed and totally satisfied. Listen to this point. God has a thousand ways where I cannot see one. When all my means have reached their end, then he has just begun. That's the God I know. That's the God I got to know when my wife and I moved to the mission field with $25 a month support. God, if you do not feed us, if you do not do a miracle and get us gas in the truck, if you don't do a miracle when our motor fell out, if you don't do a miracle about all these different things, then, Lord, we're going to starve. And the people will say, Russell and Cindy starved serving you on the mission field. You didn't feed us. We are very healthy today. Since 1981, we've only had one forced fast. And I can say the years of being dependent on God, we got to know Him as we need to know Him in the fellowship of His suffering. Without Jesus, I can't do it. Without getting in His Word, I can't do it. Without prayer, I can't do it. I don't care how many tapes, how many confessions. If I don't get with God... That, Lord, I need you or I can't make it. That's what built us. And that's what makes us strong. That's what makes strong believers. And that's what makes a glorious church. I need you, Jesus. I don't mean you go around using those type of words and knocking yourself down. What this is saying is to have an attitude of the heart. The attitude of the heart is... I myself can do nothing. And Jesus himself, and I'm going to give you the scripture Jesus said in the book of John, without me, you can do nothing. Jesus said it. And we go around confessing all the times, I can do all things, but through Christ. Through Christ who strengthens me. That's true conversion. When you are converted and strong, and I'm telling you, I sense the urgency that Oh, it's time for a strong church in America. I, we used to sing in the Baptist church, I need thee every hour. I need thee every hour. Oh, we need them every second now. Need them more than we ever needed them before. But the Lord is wanting to build His church. And I have a, a holy conviction about it. When I can't see a way, He makes a way. When Joshua finally took the Israelites and they came to the Jordan River and it was flood time and it overflowed its banks and they seemed no way possible, God says, just because you see it's impossible, don't mean it's impossible. Just means you're going to always remember, you've got to be dependent on me as Moses was when he got to the Red Sea. Now I want you to get the priest, I want you to put the Ark of the Covenant on the priest's shoulders, and I want you, I'm not going to start the water first. They're going to have to step in the water. Then once they're knee deep in the water, I'll part the water. If they drown, they drown, but obey me. And the priest walked in that water because it was overflowed his banks. No time to build a bridge. No time to build a boat. Just obey God. 
He says, when you can't see a way and you can't do it on your own, I'll make a way. The waters parted and they went on dry land. Let's look at a few scriptures in the book of Psalms. Let's look at Psalms chapter 34. You know, this is not a famous message now on the earth, but it's still the message of heaven. And it's a glorious message. In Psalms chapter 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man. Here's that word blessed. Is the man that trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want. You see, we hear the word blessed and no want when you walk in the fear of God. The young lions do lack. They can't do it on their own and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. I love the Amplified that says the young lions lack food and suffer hunger. But they that seek and inquire and require of the Lord by right of their need and on the authority of his word None of them shall lack any beneficial thing. Verse 17. The righteous cry. The righteous cry. And the Lord heareth. The poor in spirit cry. And the Lord heareth. And delivereth them out of all their troubles. You notice it it doesn't mean you have to be perfect in your own strength. If you're perfect, you're not crying out. If you've got some problems, you're crying out. Verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. The Lord is near who? The broken. And saves such that be of a contrite heart. The uh, Amplified says the broken heart and saves those that are crushed with sorrow for sin and are humbly and thoroughly penitent. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them out of them all. Verse 22, the Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Amen. So God is doing a work. As you know, look with me, Revelation chapter 3. Jesus addressing Jesus through John is addressing the church, the seven churches. And he's rebuking them and bragging on them. You're not all bad, but you're not all good either. So let me help the bad. And it says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. Because you say I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And know it's not that you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes. Oh, that we may see. Say, Lord, open my eyes. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. I love that the New American brings it out. Because you say, I'm rich. I have become wealthy. And I don't need anything. But you do not know that you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Then he goes on to talk about, buy of me, receive of me. Now look at John 15, verse 5. John 15, verse 5. These are all the words of Jesus. The words of our Christ. 
John 15, verse 5, I am the vine. I am the only way you can survive. I am that which gives nourishment and causes fruit to be produced. I am the vine. That's what the vine is. The life. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gathered them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. What I'm reading here, if I'm going to be rich in God, I've got to become poor in spirit. Lord, I'm not bragging on me. I'm not saying look at all that I've done or look at all that I do. Lord, without you, I can do nothing. Without you, I can do nothing. I had something interesting happen yesterday in front of the house. Somebody early in the morning, I guess six or seven, ran over a possum in front of the house. And uh, no, I didn't cook it. But when I got home, I got Lance to go get the shovel. And he called me over there. And I went to see. And, and we went over there to get it. And when we picked up that possum to throw it over into the weeds, there was some baby. It had been dead and laying there all day. And there was some baby still alive sucking on that dead mother. And when I threw that possum, the babies were there. And even though I threw the dead possum, they held on for dear life And as I threw it off to the side. And that mother, you know, it's just like it says in Psalms 91, covered her babies and gave her life and protected those babies from dying. Well, you know, that's how dependent that if I get even a little bit away from God, these are not the days to even get a little bit away out of my covering. These are not the days to, to, to get an error even a little bit. These are not the days to even get my eyes upon myself. Satan saw himself and he thought he was beautiful. These are not the days that I want to get out from under the covering. These are not the days that I want to detour any. These are not the days that I even want to be comfortable. These are not the days where I want to be self-sufficient. These are not the days where I want to be independent. This is not the day that I want to be doing my own thing. These are the days I want to abide in the vine so that I may stay alive. This is gospel. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. All words of Christ. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. Well, look at verse 34. Think not that I come to send peace on earth. I'm come not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Those are strong words. The words of Christ. And people say, yeah, but we're under grace. Jesus was speaking under grace there. But Paul quoted Jesus time and time again. 
It's not I that live, but Christ who lives in me. But I want to find life. I've got to lose my life and pick up my cross. How many of you know it says, blessed are the poor? You know why the poor, he says, blessed are the poor? Then he goes on to say, blessed are the mourn. Do you know why? Have you ever met a hungry man? Have you ever seen a man who has not eaten in days? They don't care whether it's hard bread. They don't care if they have to wait. We'd have them come to our house in Argentina. And they didn't care if they had to wait out till we were able to find something. And if all we had was a few oranges that were bruised, or if we had uh, some bread that was hard, or, or, or if, we, if we didn't have a whole lot of that moment, and we gave them you know, something, some potatoes that already had been sprouting, they never complained. You know why? A hungry man is desperate for food. Blessed are the hungry, for they shall be filled. A hungry person is desperate for food. Have you ever went on a three, four, five day fast? And you, the uh, first, second, even especially the third day, you get so desperate. Hungry people are desperate for food. Where are the hungry? Where are the hungry? Poor people. A poor person is desperate for money. Pastor, they're going to turn my electricity off. They're going to repossess my car. I've got to have some money. If I could just have $100, that would help me get over. My, my, my wife needs some medicine, and all I need is $100. Uh, $50 would help me, Pastor. I need some gas money. A poor person is desperate for money. Jesus is saying, poor in the spirit are so desperate for me. So needy for me, needy for me, that I see to their hearts that they are saying, Christ, you, you are first and foremost, and I am desperate for you. We sing we're desperate. We sing we're hungry. I think Wednesday night is a test how many are truly hungry and how many are truly desperate. I think Tuesday night intercession is a test. Not that people can come every time, because not everybody can. But I, I truly wonder sometimes if Sunday night is not a test where the Lord says, You say, I want to be where you are. Well, I'm at Word of Grace at 6 o'clock this afternoon. I'm there because they're worshiping me Sunday afternoon at 6 o'clock. And you say, You want to be where I am? Well, I'm at Word of Grace at 6 o'clock. So you, you want to be there where I am? Well, I'm at Word of Grace, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock Wednesday night. You want to be where I am? Are you desperate? Are you that desperate? Are you that hungry? When Jesus didn't give food out anymore, He says, you going to leave me too? Is it the man and the loaves while you follow me? You know, I can't believe that the people were not more in love. I cannot believe the same people that followed him and saw the miracles and the look of love in his eyes with the same people that hollered, crucified him. I can't believe 
But so many times I'd rather do my agenda than do his agenda. And it takes this type of word to wake me up. Wake the world up. Wake the church up. All these opportunities. I'm desperate. Since I'm desperate, I know in Christ I shall be blessed. It's not about my ministry. It's not about pleasing me being here on a Wednesday or Sunday night. I'm going to preach regardless. But what does Christ want for me? For you. Amen. Poor man is desperate. Brokenness. Brokenness. You know why brokenness is so important? How many of God wanted to make nations out of Abraham? He couldn't make nations out of Abraham till he was able to break Abraham and willing to give up his son. If you don't give me your only son, I can't give you nations. Until I can trust you in giving me your son as a sacrifice, then I can't trust you giving you nations. Oh God, no, not, not, not Isaac. Not Isaac. No, you would not ask me for Isaac. Yes, I want you to go on Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice your son, because what you don't see, Abraham, is that if you... If you are in covenant with me, if you, sacrifice, if you are willing in your heart to sacrifice your son Isaac, then I am bound by oath to offer up my son 4,000 years in the future upon the cross of Calvary. When you saw Jehovah Jireh that I had provided a lamb in the bulrush and that I was going to bring you a sacrifice in place of your son, I was telling the world that not only are you the father of the nations, but I am the savior of the nations that shall come through you. And what we have to sacrifice, we've got to see that whatever we have to sacrifice in our life is because the greater, the bigger things, the supernatural things are coming when we're willing to sacrifice and crucify the things that we now have. Relationships. Dreams. Pride. Whatever it may be. Brokenness. Poor in spirit. Brokenness means multiplication. I said this a while ago. Blessings don't make a messenger. Brokenness does. Poor in the spirit. You can write this down. means the dethronement of myself for the enthronement of God. The poor in the spirit means those who are a broken, contrite heart. I dethrone myself to enthrone God. And when I wrote that down, and as I'm meditating on that, I started thinking about, he's saying, dethrone yourself to enthrone God. That's what it means in the Greek. To think about all that Jesus had to empty himself of. All his glory. Do you know that the omnipotence of being everywhere was, he he emptied himself of all the omnipotence, and he had to walk down dirty roads, Get bruises on his feet. Do you know that Jesus had never been beaten? He never got beat before. And he had emptied himself of his omnipotence 
and empty himself and dethrone himself and lay his life down to be able to be beaten? He emptied himself and took on the form of a servant. He became poor in spirit. And that's why on the cross he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've never, I've never, with all the love of God, with all the love and all the intimacy that I have with you, I have never been apart from you one second in all my life. And now you are forsaking me. But into your hands I commit my spirit. I'm I'm, going to die. I'm going to breathe my last breath. And whatever happens to me, I, I trust you that much. Because I've emptied myself. I've emptied myself. If he could empty himself of all that he had, what is the little bit of stuff I have? What is my immediately pride? What is my immediately ambitions when he was going to save the whole world? And I go to prepare a place for you. All that he emptied himself to go and make a way for us. When I meditate upon that, I will be a disciple and follow you. I will empty myself of me, of the rotten Russell Cobb that I am. I will, and whatever correction, whatever comes my way, thy will be done. But I don't want Russell Cobb with the smell of rotten meat to be alive. I want the perfume and the fragrance of the resurrection glory filling me. And not the rotten generation of curse that has abode in me. That's discipleship. He breaks us to prove us as a son and not an orphan. I know him better in the breaking stages of my life because I get to know he is able and I'm not. C.H. Spurgeon, the great preacher, wrote, If a ladder is to be of any use at all, then its lowest point must touch the ground. Is that something? Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. I'm coming to an end. Matthew 16, 24. And Jesus is preaching the dethroning of self. Jesus said to his who? Disciples. Who are we? Disciples. If anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself and his own interest, and take up his cross and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me, confirm wholly to my example in living and if need be, and dying also. What example he left us. Mm. Look at Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Verse 20. If you want to be my disciples. How many of you know? 
But that's a high call. You know, if I was maybe doing a prosperity seminar or something, we'd have a little bit more people in here. Sunday morning, we're almost 300 just here in the auditorium. And it's, you know, it's amazing. What really will get us everything we want is being preached right now on a Wednesday night. What's going to cause me to go before my father unashamed? Father is what I'm preaching Sunday, Wednesday night. Right here. What causes me to live every day unafraid is this right here. And look what Paul preached right here in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. I share in His crucifixion. I'm crucified with Christ. I have to quote that every day. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. And I have failed some tests. I still failed some tests. One little email. Russell Cobb comes out of the grave. One phone call. About how bad I am. How bad a pastor I am. I come out of the grave. I want to protect myself. And Jesus says, back to the cross, Cobb. I'll keep sending... I'll keep sending the phone calls and the emails until you die. And it's not what people say or what people think. It's all about what I say or what I think. It's not you that are anything anyway. It's me. It's my church. Your name is not on that building. My name is on that building. It's my church. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But I'm alive, all right. A lot of things prove I'm alive. Yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Thank God for faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Now here's all the people that talk about, yeah, but we're under grace. I do not frustrate the grace of God. I do not treat God's gracious gift as something minor importance and defeat its very purpose. I do not invalidate or frustrate or nullify the grace of God. For if the righteous came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Romans chapter 7. Last scripture. Romans chapter 7. Verse 24. Oh, hallelujah. I can identify with this. Oh, wretched man that I am, or can I just say it in English? What a dog I am. (laughs) Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Christ Jesus, my Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Verse 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And boy, we can start getting into that, couldn't we? Oh, my faith is not in myself. I'm not even going to try to see how far I can go in that area. I'm not going to forget where I came from. 
I'm not going to forget those mud huts and those people who really knew how to praise God. I'm not going to forget my roots. But more than that, I'm not going to forget my walk with Christ and frustrate the grace of God. George Mueller, one of my heroes, I read his book. I still have a book I had since I was 15. He never would ask for money. He'd get on his knees and pray. And this is what he wrote. To one who asked George Mueller the secret of his service, he replied, There was a day when I died, utterly died. And as he spoke, he bent lower and lower until he almost touched the floor. Died to George Mueller, his opinions, his preferences, his taste and will. And died to the world of its approval or censorship. Died to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. I've died to censorship, opinions, desires, wants. I've died to myself that I may be approved of God. And as we walk through these teachings of Jesus Christ, and you know you can go back over, this is not interpretation of Russell Cobb. I feel as low and humble as you do with this word. This is not the interpretation and translation of Russell Cobb. These are the words of Christ Jesus. And he says, my words are life. And the truth is, the more lowly and closer we get to the cross, the more happier we are inside. That's the peace. (laughs) It makes it worth it all. Thank God I don't need that. Thank God I didn't follow that. Thank God I didn't continue in that. Because what I have here is more satisfying than any of that. It's Jesus. Let's, let's stand. Are y'all okay that we do these messages on discipleship? I hope so because we are. <laughs> Because God's confirmed it with Pastor Larry Stocksdale. Hallelujah. Father, how we praise you for your word. It's your word. And Lord, I feel that we here tonight are of like spirit, like heart. Lord, if there's any, if there be any way in me, I feel we're of like spirit to say if there's any iniquity or anything wrong in my heart. Search me, O God. And if there be anything wrong, anything hidden in my heart or my life, then show it to us. And bring us to the way of everlasting. I thank you, Father, that you are doing a supernatural work. But Lord, it's your work in this church. You are doing your work in your church. Lord, I don't dare step in the position, the place that you hold as the Lordship and the Master of this body. And I thank you for building and equipping through me, but it's all you, the saints, that are refined as gold for the use of the Master. I thank you, Father, that in Word of Grace, there are vessels of gold, vessels of silver, and vessels of precious jewels. I thank you that you can come into this body and you will not find vessels of wood, hay, or stubble. I thank you that you could set on fire the works of this church. 
And it will not be burned up, but it will be fruit everlasting. Because you are building the church. I thank you for the maturity that you spoke to me. That this year shall be a year of maturity, of refinement, and of growth. And I thank you that you're doing it in our hearts. And I thank you for this, these faithful ones. And more that shall follow. That are truly desperate for you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For they shall receive the kingdom of God. And we bless you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.